Welcome everyone to another episode of Where's This Going? Before we get started today, I want to remind listeners that they can find all information about myself and the podcast on my website at felix-levine.com. There you can find all the links to every single episode in video and audio version. The video versions can also be found on my YouTube channel, and you can find that by searching my name, Felix Levine, on YouTube. All the podcast versions are available on wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever. You can also follow me on social media on Instagram, at Felix.Levine, and on Twitter, at Felix Levine. And again, if you need to contact me for any reason, if you're a sponsor interested in sponsoring the show or a fan who has something nice to say, you can find all of my contact information on my website. Again, that is felix-levine.com. And before we get started, I also want to give a big shout out to my sponsor, U.S. Wellness Meats. At U.S. Wellness Meats, all of their foods are raised on family farms dedicated to sustainable and ethical principles. They do not use any pesticides, herbicides, antibiotics, growth hormones, or GMOs. The owners are the farmers themselves, and they supply nutrient-dense, all-natural foods to professional football and baseball teams, colleges, individual athletes at the highest levels of every major sport, health professionals, respected gourmet chefs, fine dining establishments, and families all over the country in every single state. Canada and Puerto Rico who are looking for the best food on the planet. They ship anywhere in the country for only $9.50 for shipping and handling, and most orders are delivered within 24 to 48 hours of leaving their facility. Use promo code PODCAST, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T, for 15% off your next order at U.S. Wellness Meets today. And my next guest, he is an Emmy Award-winning sports anchor. He was 2013's AP Kentucky Sportcaster of the Year. He is the host of the Left Go Show and one of the faces of Bleacher Report. He has a new show coming out with Shaquille O'Neal, Candace Parker, and Dwayne Wade. Please give it up for my next guest, Adam Lefko. And we're live. Adam Lefko, sir. Yes. Thank you for being I'll here today. I'll tell you what. This suja, it's hit me right where I need it right now. Not feeling great. Wow. And it's a mix of the spirulina. I thought cholera was a disease. And lemon. <laughs> it's really making me feel great. Wow. Felix, how that are you was, feeling? I'm am- That was the best plug you could have done. Dude. Well, I'll take yeah. some. I'll take <laughs> suja. If you're sending it, man, I'm The take- Lefko Show. Go hit him up. Yeah, L-E-F-K-O-E, man. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, thanks for being here, man. Um, yeah. I'm happy to have you in studio. I want to say to um, all of your listeners and the people that care about you, you are persistent and you are professional. And the thing is, is that when you reach out to guests, because I have a podcast too, there's that weird feeling where you put it into the ether and you're like, I hope I'm not bothering this person. But the true thing is, is as everybody can attest to, in 2019, we're all busy as hell. Can I curse on this podcast? You can curse as much as you okay. want. Um, busy AF. And so everybody wants to do more shows because I've done, I remember when I was seven months in and I remember, and I never want to be that guy that doesn't do it. It's just schedules these days. So he is persistent. He is professional. And I appreciate I, you keeping with it. I, I, it's, 
I know exactly. It's it's finding that right line, and and I'm happy that I I didn't cross over that line. But I know with with guests, especially, um, you know, in the seven months that I've that I've had this, you have to you have to push a little sometimes yes. because you're dealing with people who have crazy schedules, 100%. and you want to make sure that it works for them, it works for you. Yeah. So, but I'm happy to be here. We made it happen. Yeah. Beautiful. All right. So as I told you before. I like to start off my episodes with if there's a little tidbit, a little story about you that the world may not already know. Okay. And I, I didn't know which way to go, but I thought I'd go family because everything in my life ends up going back to family. So my uh, grandfather is the story that I was going to tell. Grandfather's name is Arthur Lefko. We have the same initials, A.L. I was recently gifted from my parents sort of like a tie clip with AL that was his. And I never even put two and two together that we shared that. And he came to this country escaping Czechoslovakia during the Holocaust, and he came over as an orphan. And him and his brother came over, and they went to their uncle, and they just stayed there. And the story that I'm going to tell is just how he ended up creating the family business. My family's business is refrigeration and air conditioning. So my dad does, it's what my uncle does, it's what they've all done. And the story that I love is, he, th- he saw there was a lot of money in it, he was married to my grandmother at the time, he's like, I'll, I'll just do it. And he would go around the neighborhood and he would fix people's air conditioners, but he would go and he'd go, ah, I need a part back at my house. Would go home, would have a book open of how to fix air conditioners, would go, oh, maybe it's this, would walk back over, try it, if it didn't work, he'd go, okay, let me try another one. And so he literally taught himself how to fix refrigerators, refrigerate, refrigerators and air conditioners on the job, and then that business that my dad eventually took over started doing refrigeration at the Eagle Stadium. So I love that story, and I snuck into the first game at the Eagle Stadium with my dad, wearing a refrigeration outfit, saying that the ice machines were broken to sneak into the Eagles box game. And of course, I'm 14, 15 years old at the time. They're like, you're employing this guy? And I had like an Eagles towel in my back pocket. But I just, I love the notion of everything is bigger than you. Everything is set up for you to do stuff to set up more. And um, I never forget where I come from and where my family comes from and what they do and how my dad said, you're not getting into this business. I said, okay, I'm going to do sports. So for me, it's like, that's just a small story that kind of explains a little bit of who I am. Mm, I love that one. That felt good. (laughs) I've never really told it like that before. Beautiful. And was... Thanks for letting me tell it. Was, uh, were you into sports before you snuck into that that Eagles game or did seeing that Eagles game and being in that sports environment then trigger you? No, I was the six-year-old... At, at diners that his parents would go, Adam, say the Phillies starting uh, starting lineup. And I'd go pitcher, catcher, you know what I mean? Darren Dalton, Lenny, D- I was the guy. And I've always found that sports was a way to communicate with my family. Mm. You know, um, our, our, we're big Philadelphia everything, Eagles, Sixers, Flyers, Phillies. And they would explain to me passion and drive. My dad coached me in basketball my entire time growing up. So it was always woven in, and I, and I, I loved being on a team. And I loved cracking up the team. Like the reason I thought about doing broadcasting was I would be watching junior high basketball when I was on the varsity team, and we'd be on the road, and I would just start doing play-by-play. I'd be like, weird face, throws it over to Big Head, and Big Head knocks it down. And they're like, you're actually pretty good at this. 
And then it was like my junior year and I was like, maybe I'll go to school for that. So it's always, it's kind of always molded into that. But communicating with my family, I think is where sports has been great. And then once you found in your junior year, as you just said, um, perhaps that's what you're going to go into. Yeah. Was there a turning point that you were like, okay, wait, I want to make a profession, a life out of this? Um, I, I kind of made that decision. I remember going to a Barnes and Noble and taking out a book of college majors because I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to break this down where I'm going to go. And so I looked up who has the good communication schools and I, I, settled on Syracuse. I didn't get into the communication school right out of high school. But when I decided at that moment, my junior year with that book, Broadcast Journalism Syracuse, I haven't looked back. And that's what's really crazy. Um, one of the more annoying things that people say to me is, you're very lucky that you've always known. And in my mind, I'm going, it's been a hundred miles an hour since I was 17. Like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to move to Nebraska. I'm going to be a reporter. Then I'm going to go to Kentucky. I'm going to move into sports. Like, I've never had a backup plan. Mm. And so, um, like, there were, I've never once, I cannot even think of a thought of another profession. I, I just don't know. So it's been, it's very odd that it's been like almost possessed. It's, it is my love, you did, know? Did you ever have a fear that it wouldn't work out? Oh, yeah. When you're in Nebraska and you're 22 years old and all of your friends are in New York and you're wearing one of the three suits that you own and you're covering a city council meeting in a town that's 25,000 people and you've been there for a year and a half, you don't know if anyone's going to get you. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, I need some more suja. <laughs> Spinach is helping. Um, there are moments when you're in that local TV news where you don't know if anybody's watching, if anybody cares, and I'm going to make a highlight reel of myself, a resume tape, I'm going to send it out, and is anyone going to like it? And you don't know. And there's a lot of fear. But for me, I would use the fear as motivation because that's when I was like, I got to stay at work three hours longer and update my tape. Or like, I got to go to the gym. Like, I got I to do something that's going to help me. So there was, there. I definitely had, there were times at Bleacher Report where like very early on, I was like, this was what I, my first job was at Bleacher Report. I stood in an office, like a camera just like this, and I would interview beat reporters. And I would do 30 a day. So it would be like, all right, we're here with John Smoltz of the Dallas Morning News with the three X factors for the upcoming Dallas Cowboys Stadium. What do you got, John? And then I would nod for like 40 seconds as he talked, and I go, all right, John, thanks. And then a producer would get my ear and go, okay, now we're doing the New York, the Newark Star Ledger. And like there was one day where I just, I, I went outside, and my, my, mom will, my mom will watch your show. She watches it. She finds everything. And I smoked a cigarette, and I do not smoke cigarettes. <laughs> And like my boss came outside and goes, what are you doing? I go, what is the point of my life? I'm a monkey. Like I stand in front, I do a trick, we turn it out, I do 30 a day. Who the fuck cares, Mark? And it was like one of those things where you have to hit those moments. Because when those moments happen, that's when you actually have to go home and go, what do I want to do? Because a lot of people just do the same shit every right. day. And those moments are like the... I'm not going to fail. Do you still get those moments now? Um, 
It's been, yeah, oh, of course. Like, there are times where I get on a podcast and I walk out and people are like, oh, that was great. And I go, that fucking sucked. I go, that did not have good preparation. You hit the camera, like the wrong transition at the wrong time. I was like, the guest didn't give me shit today. And then that's when you go home and you're like, what do I really want to do? You know, like it's usually after a performance where I don't feel like I've done up to my level. That's when I, my lab is like a coffee shop where I sit there for hours with pen and paper and I just get everything out. That's usually like my cleansing process after an what the hell just happened moment. Have you always, I mean, you know, I've known you about 20 minutes now, yeah. but I, you can tell that you're someone who's uh, who's passionate and and driven. And I think, and someone that works incredibly hard. Have you always been a hard worker or is that something that because you had, you know, I'm in the middle of yeah. middle, middle of nowhere of Nebraska, I want to do something good with my life, that triggered it? I think it was, um, I think definitely comes from my parents. Like, my mom, I was not going out and playing with people till the homework got done. Like, we were, it's, it's funny, my fiance is Nigerian. And we talk, we, I was, and I was watching a stand-up special with Ronnie Chang that just came out about first-generation Americans. And Enam and I laugh all the time, that's my fiance's name, because her family is work, 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 work. And I was raised as though I'm a first-generation not American. And eventually... The weird thing about being somebody that is on camera is you become the pride of a lot of people, not even yourself, because what happens is, is your work is evident. Like people that you know will send a clip of you talking to somebody and going, yo, check out Felix. This is dope. And then they send you things and how great it is. So part of it's you never want to let those people down. Mm. Then the other part is, is there's this weird thing when you're getting on TV the day I graduated Syracuse, we go to Dinosaur Barbecue. Oh. And the waitress goes, you going to get into TV? I said, yeah. She goes, you kind of look like Matt Lauer, which is definitely different now than it was in 2008. But I was like, oh. And then my mom was like, she can see something in you. It's those little ones, too, where you're like, I'm not disappointing the Dinosaur Barbecue lady. Like, it's weird. Like, I just got the inside the NBA job. NBA on TNT Tuesdays. And the amount of people that I haven't talked to that are like, I am so proud of you. I have followed your journey. I've watched you. I listened since episode one of your podcast. And then you're like, I'm doing it for everybody. You know, so it's, um, I think the hard work comes out of fear. I think the hard work comes out of like expectations for yourself. Like you have to hold yourself to a certain standard. And then also it's like, why do we need to stop? Mm. Like, there is no ceiling. There is no dream job. It's you either just keep doing it and then one day you look around and go, holy shit, look where I am. Like, I, there are people that are doing jobs that I would love to do right now. Like, and so when people tell me, man, you have the dream job, I'm like, I don't know. I see faults. I, I want to I wanna get to the next level. So I just think you just keep going. Are you very hard on yourself? Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't even mean to come out that quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, because I think when you're self-aware, you understand what you're doing. That like, whether it's laziness or lethargy or, or gluttony or like, I have all of those things. That's why a lot of times I try and be self-deprecating on my show and I will always pump up guests because it's like, um, 
I just, I love my faults, if I was going to explain that. So um, when you really look at who you are, no one knows you but you. Mm. And when you look in that mirror, that's it. And so I see people like Ernie Johnson, for example, and you meet him and you go, every minute of his day is used productively for love, for family, for profession, for friendship. I still have hours of my day that I spent on nothing. And so I don't know if you ever reach perfection, but for me it's like I look at light poles that make me hard on myself in order to get close to that. And I think um, I'm, I'm very big into Stoic philosophy in terms of I have no control over you, I have only control over my actions, and then it's the constant pursuit of, of fine-tuning that. So it's not like I get angry at myself or I get upset at myself. It's more like you know what it takes to be the kind of person that you want to be. Stop at the bullshit. I read that uh, that article about, yeah. um, I think it was The Stoic. Is, is I didn't know they were going to print that. It, and it's a great article. He sent me a lot of questions. I answered them. And then the next day an article came out. And I was like, but Ryan, you're my favorite author ever. I thought you were just asking me questions. Suja. <laughs> Suja. No, but for people... Uh, Go check it out. It's a one. I think the Sto It's is it called the Stoic? The I think his website's called the Daily Stoic. The Daily Stoic, and um, it's one. It's a great website, and and the one the, the article that I read about you in in preparations for this was also fantastic. You talked about um, the a big book that that changed you. Obstacles um, the way exactly, and I fucked think, me up. And and one of the things that you had uh, mentioned regarding what you just said is um, just being honest with yourself, and that I think that. Uh, I think it's really hard to sometimes be honest oh. with yourself, and I and I and I ask you, um, especially in social media, man. Right, exactly. Because you're looking at a lot of people that aren't being honest, and it fucks up your honesty. Right. And how do you how do you suggest for people who um, maybe subconsciously don't realize that they're not being honest with themselves? Right. That's their main right. issue. You need to write. You need to write because I believe I can get nothing valuable accomplished by typing onto a computer or onto mm. my phone. I just can't. But when I write, and I'm thinking faster than I'm writing, the writing becomes the mirror. Because when you think something, we can all think of bullshit and excuses. But when you're writing it out, there's like that delay mm. where you're writing it out and you're going, that, I don't even believe that. I'm writing for someone to read this. Mm -hmm. I'm not writing to write this. And for me, that's why I do the whole coffee shop thing and I do handwriting because that delay, I will write a sentence and then my next sentence will be like, that last sentence was complete and utter bullshit. Who are you impressing? And that I, I talk to myself like you, uh, and then you also need to surround yourself with people that will not lie to you. Like I am the friend that will tell you that nobody likes your girlfriend. I'm that guy. I'm, I have done it. I was going to be a groomsman in someone's wedding and they got into a fight because we were, he was my roommate and it, it got him so angry. They fought all the time that he destroyed the apartment. And I said, you should not marry this person. They got married. I was not invited. They got divorced. I didn't say anything. It's you need like my fiance does not put up with my bullshit. She'll go, Adam, you don't have anything to do to like, get out of here. My friend, Tiffany, who just visited, she was the one in Kentucky when I went viral with like the sportscast stuff, 
she would walk around and put imaginary, imaginary pens in my head. Like you need people around you that are going to call out your ego. And if there's a lot of people, as you keep doing this and it gets more popular, that support it, that's dangerous. Mm. Don't date a fan. Like your friends can be fans with you, but like they can also go, yeah, but remember that time that like you fell in your face at the like, and you're like, like I, you need to be humbled. And um, you, chasing humility is a really strong thing to do. Anytime you feel good, realize like you ain't shit. And in a positive way. Right. And because like, we're all the same. Do you feel that pressure now that you've had uh, that you've had success and you you know you have a fan base and a listener base um, to your shows? How do you how do you other than having friends that that humble you or your fiance that humbles you find ways to just kind of relax and put that to the side and mm. and do real life as well without all of that that buzz around you? So your question, how, like, how do I disconnect? Yeah, um, reading. Um, I. I look, I love, I am the worst movie critic of all time because I love all of it because I see the intent of the content creator. Like, even like the really crappy fart movie, I'm like, oh, look, they were sitting around, like they thought of that joke and maybe it wasn't executed right. So I love watching, uh, I love watching art, I love watching creation. Me and my fiance kind of have a tradition that every New Year's Day we go to a Broadway show because to me, there's nothing more intense than live theater. Um, I, I also like to be by myself. Mm. And I think a little bit of that was because I lived on my own for so long that I began going to the movies by myself, eating by myself. And I think it's important to kind of disconnect completely from people because otherwise you're just continuing things. And I think a lot of people get upset by it because they're going, why don't you want to hang out with me? Or, you know, why would you rather do this? I, to be with yourself, again... If you don't know you, then you're just li like, it's just a lie. So I, I think kind of in a weird way, like that solitary feel is important to me. Yeah. Mm. And is there ever times where when you were living um, alone that you had, uh, that you felt perhaps too alone, that you felt like that job, this, this sports broadcasting? Oh, like it's, it's ruining my life. Yeah. Really? W yeah. Were you ever about to quit? I don't think I was ever about to quit. I've had a few times where something was going to take me in a direction and then it didn't happen and then something better happened after. So I was in Louisville and I really enjoyed doing radio because when you're doing TV news, you get two and a half minutes. I'm covering high school volleyball, but like in, but in the mornings, I can go in there and I could talk about John Calipari is going to be the head coach of the Miami Heat in two years. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And then the phone lines light up, and you're like, this is amazing. I'm like, I can do this. And it was between me and this other guy, and it was to be the new face of this morning show. And I got a phone call, and the GM of the station said, you don't have a family, and you don't have a house, and you're young, so we're worried that you'll leave. And this guy's more stable, so we're going to go with him. And I remember being like, if that's how you decide, then I don't want to work for you anyway. Mm. And I got um, the Bleacher Report offer like a month later. Wow. When I was going to go to Nebraska, I originally had uh, a job in Reno, Nevada to be a sports and news guy. And uh, I 
took an online test. I filled out who were the U.S. Supreme Court justices, all this stuff. News director got fired. Acting news director called me up and said, Alex, we have a problem. And I said, oh, shit. He just called me Alex. He doesn't know my name. <laughs> Lost that job, got Nebraska a month later. When I was in, when I was in before Bleacher Report, when I went viral, I went to Philadelphia. My dream job growing up was to be a host on Comcast Sportsnet Philadelphia. I get to cover all Philly sports all the time. It started when I was 11. It was, it was like ESPN, but for Philly. And I was like, the dream is to work in your hometown. Went there, did the interviews, did like the test thing. They tried to mess me up and say, hey, we have breaking news. Nailed it. Told the lady I would sign a 10-year contract. They came to me a week later and said, we are replacing a woman hockey reporter. And because of our numbers, we have to hire a woman hockey reporter. So I, I submitted you, but they're telling me I can't. Bleach Report called the next day. So like, um, there are moments where like, when I got told I didn't get Philly, I was crying in the, in the parking lot of a Louisville TV station. Because for me, it wasn't that I, my dream was so close that I didn't get it. It was that it felt like it was taken away, not because of my own actions. Mm. And in those moments, you want to say, fuck the world. But shit will always. Like, I'm a universe person. I'm a good energy, brings back good energy. And it's also a, I have no other choice but to keep going. And so it's not that I do, I really don't understand when people quit. I have quit on things. I have quit diets. You know what I mean? Like I've quit relationships. Like those things have happened. But like when something is so indicative and an identity based in who you are, mm. you either do it or you don't exist. And that's, that's kind of how I've treated this because when I go on camera or I talk on a microphone, there is no divide. There is no on-camera Adam. He curses a lot less if it's national television. But like, I am who I am who I am. And so that's why it's whatever you do, whatever you care about, if your identity is in it, that's, that's what you should be doing. If that's you, you know? And do you feel like now you're 100% you? This no, it's a fine-tuning. You ever see uh, the documentary on Netflix, Hero Dreams of Sushi? Oh, I, I want to okay, watch that. It's spelled J-I-R-O. Yes. I recommend it to everybody. To me, it was... Not to the level of obstacle is the way for as a, like something that impacted me. I watched it multiple times. It's about this, the best sushi chef in the world. And he is in a subway in Japan. And it's like 100,000 yen a plate. But every day he goes to the fish market at 3.30. He sharpens his knife at 4.45. And it's that ninja philosophy of you are much better than where you were but you are not even close to where you can get. And so for me, um, other people tell you how much you've grown. Mm. You should not realize it. You should just be working on it every day. And if you do, you like I, like, I only see where I need to grow or what I'm not doing. How do you work on growing? Um, you personally? Like professionally or personally? Both. Personally, it's like working on communication, suppressing ego, and like getting rid of anger, like anything emotional. Professionally, um, I study people that I respect. Um, and then also it's work. So, for example, when I do the NFL draft, I will create books of 
ways for me to access information quickly on the fly so that I have it. Mm. So if if we're going to talk about the Steelers draft pick next year, I want to know all of the guys that are going to be up for a contract in two years. Because if they draft a linebacker, you go, why do they need a linebacker? They have all these linebackers. I go, two of their linebackers are going to be free agents. And so I'm setting myself up later to seem really smart. When I went down to Turner and I saw Ernie, Ernie had all these sheets, and everyone's like, he's got all these numbers. But I was able to look Ernie in the eye and go, oh, you have this to set. He goes, exactly. And so I saw what his process is. I love process. I love the fact that you have a name, a page with my name on it because I appreciate effort and preparation. And so that's, um, I don't remember the question was. I think it was me. How do you work on you? Yeah. Or how oh, do you grow? Yeah, I think um, as a professional, I would just wrap it up and go, I say, I'm a lot. I got to work on that. Um, that was nice. That was really good timing. <laughs> but also, I know that it's, it's, for me, it's about being more scheduled and regimented because I'm still a, I'll walk a different way to work every day. Oh, you know what? I'll get a Starbucks. Oh, a random piece of pizza. I would love to get to a point where I really keep myself focused all the time because that's the similar thing I've seen from everyone that's successful. TV, athletes, businessmen, unmitigated focus. It's intense. You, I mean, And I don't have that. Speaking of, I mean, you've been, you've probably met, you know, the good and the greatest athletes there are. Yeah, I met a bunch. What do you feel like in your eyes uh, separates a good athlete from a great athlete? One, let's get this out of the way. Some people are born with it. Like, the way Giannis Antetokounmpo is built, <laughs> like, yeah. it's just yes. not rough. Like, LeBron James being six foot eight, and when he started like 260, like, he was the same size as Carl Malone, but was a point guard. So that's one thing. From a mental perspective. From a mental perspective, I think it is focus. And that's why when I talk to NFL players and they talk about Tom Brady, they're amazed at it. They're amazed that this guy never wavers. Jordan, he was, when you get called too competitive in a competitive sport, you are too, you're, it's not too, excuse me, you're not too focused. You are perfectly tuned in. And it's, there, there's no excuses. You know, there's no doubts. It's a constant grind. I, I was messaging, so George Kittle's on the Niners. And very early on to his career, I did a video with him. And the cool thing about that is you get these relationships with these guys before they get big, and they know that you're not Fugazi. And, and like you also, like I remember when you were 21, didn't know what the fuck you were doing. I watched him this offseason on Instagram. This is the greatest thing. You don't even need mentors anymore. If you're a young athlete... Follow athletes on social media, and guess what? Oh, I haven't seen him do that drill down before. Write it down, look it up. You're doing the same drills as George Kittle, and you didn't even have to meet him. So like, that's just one thing. But I watched him every day grind like no other player in the NFL, because I follow a lot. Some of them were on boats. Some of them were on trips. Every day this dude was in the gym. And so as the season's been going on, I text him the other day. I go, this doesn't surprise me. I go, did you ever work out this hard this summer? He goes, this is the hardest I've ever worked. And he's having the best season ever. And those two things are correlated. So it's every day being obsessed with being great. And 
a lot of people, and I, am, I understand, if you became a professional athlete and you had a lot of money in your pocket and a lot of adorning fans and people sliding into your DMs wanting to spend time with you, those are all things that we love to talk to athletes about. And athletes are always like, no, one game at a time. And we think that they're lying. We think they're trying to get rid of it. But really, it's like, I'm going to humble brag again. I, my video with Travis Kelsey came out the week of the Patriots game. I texted it to him anything back. Six days later, Sunday night after the game, I get a text. Sorry, bro, I turned off my phone. It was Patriots week. Think about that. This is really hard to deal with, this phone. And so for me, the people that can really focus, that's the difference. Now, you can get your shit done and then do whatever you want, but some people will sacrifice doing their shit for the fun. And the part of what helped me get here, man, was those years in Nebraska and Kentucky, like, built me. Because all I had was the job. So all I had to do was keep doing it to get out. And it, it just, you get so many reps, you know what I mean? Do you think about those days often when you're working now? I think about it at events. So like if I go to a Super Bowl and I go to like Radio Row, one, I, ne I would never have gotten in there with Nebraska. Or like March Madness. And I would see kids with, a, with an ill-fitting suit doing their own makeup in the bathroom, shooting their own stand-ups, looking at somebody like me now and be like, be like I, that's what I looked at when I saw Jay Billis. That's a mind fuck because that feels like yesterday where I was like, one day I'm going to get a chance. And now it's like, oh, now again, I look at now like, oh, Colin Cowherd has his own studio and set and he's got all these people. So there are levels to this shit. But... I, it's when I see young people that run up to me and they hand me a card and they're like, can I interview you for 10 minutes? I go, yes. And that's when I realize, whoa, that was weird. How do you take it, you personally, professionally to the next level? Mm. I, think it is a, I think it is the focus. Um, I think for me also, it's understanding time and understanding space in terms of on camera. Mm. You're going to reach a point where you're going to keep watching your podcast. You seem like somebody that would watch their own podcast. <laughs> and you're going to look at everything from how you're sitting to how you're talking. And did I do that question right? I used it there. I should have used it later. And you're going to want to have the perfect show. And then one day you're going to look at it and go, it was perfect, but it's still not hit me right. Mm. And then you're going to realize, you know what? I don't even talk like that. I don't use words like that. And you're going to challenge yourself a little bit more. Um, for me, I want to get better at silence. As you can tell, I'm talking a lot, but I'm also being interviewed. I'm not used to this. I want to get really good at silence. I want to go into a show and have like, I want to be prepared for you to react and then I'll have 20 different things to go off. Like that next level stuff. And then also for me, I need to get better at community building. I love my community. 33%. I call them the 33% because my co-host left. So I gave his 33% to them and they're amazing. But I'm there. It's we're, we're I see so many people that are so great at constant communication. And because I told you earlier, I need that alone time. That's the divide that I can't figure out. How do I make myself always there and always growing, but also completely disconnecting.
Mm. That's the divide that if I can figure that out, my professional life will be, I feel really good. We're going to take a quick break. Ooh. We're going to talk about Manscaped. Support for where's this going comes from Manscaped, who is number one. Number one. And men's below the belt grooming. Adam, Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for all of your family jewels. Nice. Do you have a good manscaping story for? for so the Manscaped world to- sponsors my show, and uh, they sent me a pack. Oh, they sent they, the the perfect package. Yes, and I said, "Nah, this doesn't look that great." And then I used it. It's it's wonderful. And it looks um, like a charm. It was one of those things where, you know, when you put it back in there and you slide it and you look left and you look right as though I'm putting, like, really important <laughs> diamonds back into a safe? That's true. That's what, I, that's what I felt about that product after I replaced it. You must be referring to the Lawnmower 2.0. Oof. 2.0. 2.0, not 1.0. Their Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology, so this trimmer will not nick or snag your nuts. Oop. Over one million men have conf- that. <laughs> over one million men have confidently manscaped with Manscaped's precision engineered tools. This trimmer's so good. Even Mark Cuban from NBC's hit TV show Shark Tank offered Manscaped a deal. You know that? Do you think he uses it? You know, I, I wonder. Don't I feel like he has like some gold trimmer, whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's. Uh, I never know if I like him or not. I like him. I Maybe, like Mark I feel Cuban. Like he, he's the type that's someone who trims for him. Ooh. I wouldn't recommend uh, that. <laughs> Manscaped also is the crop preserver. Are you okay. familiar with this? I'm not. An anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. I use that. I am very familiar with it. <laughs> does it work? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't I don't have any evidence, but it feels like it does. <laughs> Adam, you already put deodorant on your armpits, so why are you not putting it on the smelliest part of your body? Great point. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code WTG at manscaped.com. Again, that's promo code WTG for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Adam, your balls will thank you. And they do. Where is this going? Kind of reminds me of the show on Netflix, I Think You Should Leave. Have you seen that? I have not seen it either. Oh, my God. Should I? It is a sketch comedy show with Tim Robinson, who was a writer for SNL. He was on a show called Detroiters on Comedy Central. It is... In my opinion, the funniest content that came out in 2019. I'm going to watch it when I get home. Yes. If you like weird comedy stuff. I like all comedy stuff. And it is like the first sketch. It's a dude in a job interview and he pulls a push door and the guy goes, oh, it's a push. And he goes, no, it's both. And like, you just need to watch it. It's a show that you can't even explain, but it is brilliant. Are you big into the comedy scene? I, I think comedians are the smartest people in our society. Wow. Why is, why is that? Because they observe mm. and they spit it back to us. And then we as dumb humans go, it's so true. And it's like, <laughs> yes, it's true. It's just comedians are people that are always watching. And then they have to find a funny slant. And they go up in front of people, bomb all the time. It's true. And keep doing it. Like they are ninjas. Do you have a few favorite comedians? Chappelle is the goat. He's the goat. I used to sit in my black Ford Escape with a huge Eagles logo on the back with my friends, and we would sit in a parking lot and listen to Kill Him Softly, which is the greatest stand-up ever. I'm going to cough again. Um, I think I really... He's, his style is not for everybody, but I do love Anthony Jeselnik. Oh. 
Uh, Anthony Jeselnik's the way he does his punchlines yes. is great. Um, I love um, Jerry. Like Seinfeld is is like a, a founding father. I'm trying to think of the other ones I really Any really young like ones now. That- oh. I really enjoyed Ronnie Chang's. Really? A lot. I have to go check that out. It was also because he had a bit about uh, destination weddings, and I'm having a wedding in Nigeria last year, and it hit very close to home. But it was, it, it really, and I enjoyed Michelle Wolf's. Michelle Wolf did the. I just saw that. And, and Hassan Minaj is always, he always cracks me up. I guess all the Daily Show comics. Do you go to any of the New York City comedy clubs? You know, it's one thing that I haven't done enough. I highly recommend it. It's Where like have you the gone? perfect it's like the perfect date night. I've been to uh the comedy cellar. Sure. Um I went the other day to the stand. It's actually a new one. Um and now and I've had a, a bunch of comedians on the show. Um so I saw that. It's really cool to have um you're familiar with like Mark Norman yeah, and I saw Andrew you Schultz. On your show. Exactly. I had yeah. Mark Norman on. So it was really cool. The, I I went the other day. Uh I had recorded with him a couple weeks before, text him like, yo, what's up? Come yeah. to the stand. And I saw him live, and it's it's just what I love about going to a comedy show like that is you just get the interaction. Like the, Schultz the is a great example. Schultz is amazing. I have not seen him live, so that's why, and I have not seen a full show. So like, but the way he does his social media, the takes that he has, he is somebody that is clearly blooming. Yeah, and it's been really cool. Like he's a random DMer that I have that like we've just gone back and forth. But like the cool thing about someone like him when they work that hard is you feel pride for them. And I don't even know him. But I see what he's doing and how he's growing and the effort that he puts in. And those are the people that no matter what, I'm yep. going to support. It's just like a level of grind that you can't find. And yeah, I mean, what's amazing with Schultz, And he's funny as fuck. He, he, that's the first thing. He's yes. funny as fuck. And second of all is just, especially for myself having grown up in New York and him the same, just to see. Did you, know, you really? I did. Brooklyn few walks away yeah. um is just to see someone like that who comes from you know same kind of background as myself and he he literally is self-made you know i mean he talks about that all the yeah. time but that guy when you hear about it, he got rejected from all the big specials now he's just he's taping especially yes. we saw that um do you know where it's gonna air uh i don't know if that came out i didn't come out my guess is uh, my guess is netflix okay i think I th- i'm gonna he's, guess he's hbo Net- it's yeah, it's one of the major ones. Because I enjoyed like Dan Soder had an HBO special. I haven't seen that really yet. good. Yeah, yeah, a lot of top tier talent. Question for you. I have a question for you. I have an answer. How different is it when you grow up in New York? Your mindset about this city compared to people like myself who have been here for like six years. It's it's incredible because uh, when you leave to go to school, right now I'm going to school in Boston. Mm. Um, or I was in, well, first year I was in Santa Barbara. Second year I transferred to oh to my BU. God. And Santa Barbara is my retirement city. It's, it's one of the most beautiful places. Yeah, I don't world. know if it's good if you're young, but I would like to spend my my waning years. Exactly, perfect like that. Like yeah. for me, especially coming from New York, I got to Santa Barbara and I was like, "This is amazing," but I felt like I had seen everything after about seven hours. Yeah. You know, so I was like, "I need to go back." It's East the Coast. set of Jurassic Park. <laughs> <in Santa Barbara. laughs> um, but you're in Boston. I'm in Boston, and uh, but coming, you become snobby about New York. You think New York is. You, you subconsciously become snobby about New York. You think New York is just the best, that nothing compares to it. And in my opinion, you know, it's home. It's I am snobby about it because yeah. I, I love it. There's everything. Wait, so when you go to wanted. Boston, do you feel that even more? I, I like Boston and the fact that it's close. I but can, it's no New York. But it's no New York. You know what I mean? And the thing that people don't realize if you're not in New York is how convenient, how accessible, 
and how fucking big this place really is. It's everything. My, my brother lives in Philadelphia, and I go there and I go, none of your buildings are taller than five stories. Like, I know this is a city, but New York, it's like every different street is its own world. Oh, yeah. And the reason I love New York is because everybody's anonymous. Yeah. I don't give a shit if Kevin Bacon is on your train or that homeless guy might be the richest dude on that train and you oh. don't even know. And that's why New York is great because nobody gives a fuck about anybody. I saw John Mulaney on the subway the other day. Oh, and no one- He's had in my a, top too. I love him. No one had a fucking clue who it was. Yeah. And I love that. I love that people that are famous, not famous. I know, I know the, I had a, I don't, are you familiar with Heather Hardy? Yeah. She, uh, she was on the show and she's telling me how she's on the A train all the time. And I'm like, you're the WBO women's, fe- or was the WBO yeah. women's featherweight champion of the world. And she's sitting on the A train and I fucking love it. Yeah. You know it's, what I mean? It, I, that's one thing I like too is when you're in every, every city and every town is a bubble. So when I was in Louisville, you become known in that bubble. Well, the thing about New York is there's a million bubbles in the city. And so I like it because I find it very freeing. Mm. I don't, I don't think I'm at a spot where people are going to be like, psh, 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 psh. but like when it does happen on the one train, that's like a, that's a surreal thing. Like when someone comes up to you on the one train freaking out saying, I listen to your podcast. Cause in your mind, who the fuck am I? Yeah. And also it's the one train right. <laughs> that I just, um, like I've seen Phil Jackson walking down the street and there's like a pride of a New Yorker where you, I'm not going to say anything to him. Like, you almost feel proud that you didn't say anything to him. Oh, no. He'll wink at me. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Yeah. Do you feel... Uh, I must sound disgusting right now. No, you... Okay. This is not my normal voice. That's what I was, I was thinking, because I watched the, the, the video, uh, those, those viral videos from back in 2013, oh, which I must say are super entertaining now that I have you in front of me to, yeah. to, to compare the two. I don't... I don't I, I've been coughing a lot. I've been battling something. But you're a warrior for coming through. Hey, I don't care. Do you feel like because some people may recognize you or you have, as you said, a certain level of people, fame or what, whatnot. or notoriety. Whatever. Yeah. Um, do you feel a, a pressure to not let people down now? I think, like, have you ever heard the, I think it was a Kobe quote that was taken from Jordan, which is like, every game there's a seven-year-old that's never seen you before. Mm. And however you perform that's what they're going to think of you the rest of your life. I feel that pressure if I go on set or if like I'm going to do a shoot mm. and there's a lot of people like behind the scenes, production people, because they, they're they experiencing you from beginning to end as a human. And as I was saying before about like, I'm more worried that people are going to not think I'm a good person. Whether or not you think I'm talented, I believe I am. And so like, that's one person's opinion. I really don't give a fuck. But in terms of like... <laughs> who I am, how I represent myself, and and how people are going to leave feeling about me, that's the pressure I feel. Because um, I just think there's a lot of assholes in the world, but there's also a lot of assholes in our business that do it for fame and notoriety and so that they can treat people like shit. That's what always surprises me. For me, it's like I love when I walk onto a set and it's a makeup artist I've been with before. And it's like, hey, you know what I mean? Or it's like, even at Grip, they're like, I was in Atlanta with you. And you're like, my man, how you doing? Like, I love that because when the energy is great and everybody's happy, that's when you make good stuff. Like, I, I want every place to be the family. So that's more the pressure I put on. It's more of a human pressure. Now, you describe um, the state 
and the competitiveness of this sports media anchor world? I, um, my mindset has always been, I'm just going to go off to the side and keep doing what I'm doing and eventually I'm going to get it. The, well, if you think about it, everybody's trying to build their own brand, right? Everybody's trying to build their own show and get their own audience and they're all kind of copying each other. Um, but the same point, like, we're all fighting for like a few spots. And it's, it's interesting because our jobs are very subjective. And I love Rick and Morty. It's my favorite. It's one of my favorite shows. And there was an episode this year where Rick goes up there and, they're, and this crowd is booing him. And he says, I don't care about your boos. I've seen what you cheer. Mm. And I love that quote. Because if, if I'm not competing against anybody, I want everyone to succeed. Like, I watch Pat McAfee and what he's building right now. And I'm so proud of him. Yeah. And, but there are parts of you in the beginning where you're like, man, he's grown really quickly. You need to be able to go right afterwards, and I'm happy about that. Mm. Like, you have to. So that's why it's like the competitive shit. I really am rooting for everybody. I want everyone at ESPN to do great. I want everyone at Fox to do great. I want everyone at all the different sports to be great because I'm going to go hard as hell and I'll see you up there. And when the red light comes on, I'm not going to miss a beat. And so as long as you're prepared, we're ready to go. But if I'm putting out a show and you're putting out a show, our fans can watch both shows. Like, so I, I never want to knock anyone down because I don't want anyone to, to kind of be like, I hope Adam fails. But, like, I really want all of us to have the most popular shows in the world. I really do. What's something you wish that uh, a 22-year-old or, or a young Adam Lefko in Nebraska or Kentucky knew that would then have potentially saved you time in, in getting to where you are today? Or some, a piece of advice that you wish you could tell your younger self? Going, going out and partying is really not that important. Yeah. And um, now, there are important aspects of it. There's a lot of people that don't experience nightlife or going out. And because of that, they have a hard time connecting with people that do like that. So in my industry, athletes like that. So the fact that I had experience doing that, I can connect. I'm not awkward. I don't go out and look around. But when I would go on work trips to cover a Big 12 championship game or a Final Four, there would always be these parties where all the really important people are on one side and there's all the young people getting drunk. And I would always go, I don't need to go introduce myself. I'm just going to go over here and party because that's what I wanted to do. If I would have used that time smarter, if you start a new job, do not drink with your coworkers for at least three months. <laughs> Nothing good is going to come from that. Number two, if you do go out, leave after one drink, this is not your time to show people how cool you are. This is your time to meet somebody, set a really good intention. Don't ask for anything. If anything, give something. You know what I mean? If you have a conversation with somebody you really admire and you, you, see some, you do a little bit of research, hey, I knew you were going to interview this guy next week. Here's three questions or three facts. They might not use it, but they're going to go, he didn't have to do that for me. So... I wish I used that time more strategically because going out and partying, it's temporary. It's, mm. it's for your ego. It's for to feel good about stuff, and it's unnecessary. 
And what would you say? But don't be a herb. <laughs> don't be a herb. Yeah, just yeah. What would you say? Don't take selfies with people. <laughs> For someone um, like myself, who's uh, who's young but interested in in going into this sports world, who's fascinated by sports and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and this kind of industry, what would you say? Uh, Are you more interested in sports or interviewing? Or both, you know, finding a way to connect the two. Through, through this podcast, it's kind of uh, I've learned that I have a, a variety of different interests, and I always for for the first like last ten years of my life, I was always like I want to be a general manager in the NFL. Period. Interesting, like period. It was just not. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, like yeah. anything else. And then I started doing this, and I realized that um, I just like talking to people. I like learning from people. Sure. And so at this point, I I, I can honest, I I can happily say that I'm not sure. Um, yeah, that's good. But. You know, I don't know. It's just being in the, there's something about being around someone that you admire, whether they're, whether it's an athlete, yep. whether it's a comedian that I just love because it inspires me. Sure. So, um, that's part of why I wanted to be a general manager originally. It was because I love the management, the contracts, the, the, this, the, that, that yeah. a general manager does. Um, but yeah, I can say that I don't know, but that's part of what's exciting. Yeah, for sure. But what would you say is a good, like, I thought I wanted to be a features producer for a long time. Like, I won, when I was in Kentucky, I won two Emmys, and I have like a lot of AP awards, and a lot of it was doing features. Mm. Like, I would go to Henryville, Indiana, and do a feature about how the, the town was rebuilding itself. Or I did a, a feature about um, a women boxer that was going to be the first... Um, like U.S. gold Olympian in like 50 years. Wow. And I love tell, but I didn't reveal that she was a woman for like a minute and a half in the piece. Like I loved telling stories. I was going to give everything up to do that too. So like you might not even in five years know where you're going. Right. And that's okay too. The most important thing though is going, what, be honest with yourself, what do you really want to do? Mm. Because a lot of people will go, but this can get me more money. Like, one piece of advice that 22-year-old Adam learned later, and I luckily didn't mess this up, not every promotion is good to take. Some promotions are going to take you down a road that you don't want to go down. But I know that you want your boss to flick that dopamine in your head. Mm. And you go, oh, I got a raise. But if you don't want to do that, you have to tell them no. Right. And you can negotiate. But a lot of people when you're young are like, oh, this is a promotion. So that's that's one other thing. But your question originally there was what? And I apologize. Advice for you in terms of the sports uh, landscape. Yeah. It's easy to get 18 opinions about a sporting event. Perfect example. Miles Garrett swings his helmet, hits Mason Rudolph. It's on every website, social media account, TV station for three days. You could hear 18 different opinions. It was Mason's fault. It was Miles' fault. It was the coach's fault. It was the owner's fault. It was the team's fault. It's society's fault. The key is, can you, when something happens, come up with your own opinion mm. that you actually believe that is not a retort to another person? Can you sit there and go, how do I actually feel about this? Maybe it didn't offend you. Maybe it was funny to you. Like, but a lot of people will go, I want to hear what Stephen A has to say. I want to hear what Coward has to say. And then I'm going to base it off of that. That's not how it works. Mm. And the reason they're up there is they don't listen to anybody else. They have their own opinions and they stand by them. Figure out who you are, 
what you stand for? What is your voice? Do you like doing conspiracy theories? Do you like diving into what makes people tick? Do you like figuring out, um, do you like talking to comedians more than you like talking to athletes? It's, you're constantly like fine tuning it, but you have to pay attention to it. What you are today is not what you are tomorrow. And it sounds like you're already very comfortable with the unknown. And the more you are comfortable in darkness, the quicker you'll find the light. Beautiful. And that last quip was brought to you by <laughs> Suja. Suja Organic Green Did Drink. You're a pro. Yeah, I will say, though, that the Suja mixed with the two espressos, I've been, I've been a little bubbly. <laughs> I've ah. been hearing it in my headphones. <laughs> this has been, a, a, what is it called? Not a, ASMR? Oh, yeah. Well, ASMR is like, isn't it like when you're a little... Exactly, but this has been ASMR like for indigestion. <laughs> you're just hearing bubbling and burping and grunting and today... Clang, 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 clang. <laughs> what, what other... Um, embrace the unknown, man. Yeah. It's fun. It is. It is. Yeah. Like, you told me seven months ago that I'd be sitting here with you. That's... that's. that's I, I would have I been like, what? Yeah, same. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, stuff like I'm that. I'm like, Felix, <laughs> me? <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious about your progression because I... I'm trying to think about the, the first time that I'd, I'd kind of heard of you. I think... I don't know how far ago, how long ago it was, but I, I would always see on Bleacher Reports, you know, left goes locks. Right. And I would hear that one minute and you'd give us, and you'd make lots of money for lots of people and it would be not, great. Not really. Not really, but yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Um, but Betting is hard. It, it, do you bet? I, I will bet, I have my one friend, Tyler, that when we agree on something, we'll put something on there. But it's, I don't need to, Yeah. but I, it does make Sundays more fun. Or like if I'm watching a game and I go, the Eagles are going to win this. I'll like hit him up and be like, what are the odds are we getting right now? And he's like, really good. I'm like, Let, they're going to win. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do it like that. What? From I, I mean, you're one of the, the main characters at Bleacher Report now. What was your progression with Bleacher Report? And I know you've been there for this will quite be, some time. This will be six years wow. in January, which wow. is a long time in digital. Well, especially Bleacher Report. I mean, they started, I remember when... I think I was one of the first people, to be honest, who got the app. Right. And uh, he's probably been around for like 10 right. or 12. So years. I probably got around like eight years ago. Yeah. So maybe not one of the first people, but it's been, uh, I mean, it's growing exponentially. It's, it's an amazing It's completely company. changed as a company. Like when I went there, I remember that people were like, you're going to go to the list company because they would just make top 50 natural disasters that ever affected a sporting event. You're like, okay. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> We'll edit that out, right? Okay, great. <laughs> exactly. Golly. I was, the reason that I liked Bleacher Report, I was all in on digital very early. When I was in Nebraska, I created a show for their website, which they gave zero fucks about in 2008. And I named it SportsStream. I built all the graphics on my, on my Apple. I built... I edited the show. I convinced people to stay late, talent and people working there. Trust me, we're going to do this. I would shoot it. I would edit. I put it on the website myself. I went to Bullseye's Bar and Grill, one of the only places to eat in the entire town. And I went there with an ad salesperson. And I was like, we can sell advertisements on this. And I did not know. She was like, okay, I'll go. And we're in the meeting. And she goes, we'll make you 
the presenting sponsor of SportsStream for $100 a month. And the guy sat there and went, hmm. And then she goes, $50 a month. And I looked, I was like, are you crazy? And then later that night, I went to the bar and he bought me a drink and he goes, I can't believe she knocked it down. But like, I was getting ad sales in 2008 on a simulcast show. Like, I've always wanted to go to digital. So when Bleacher Report called me up, I was like, this is the only thing that my friends and their younger brothers and sisters use. This is the same as this. In fact, this probably doesn't even have cable on it. You probably have a cord attached to a computer and you're using it as a screen. I don't have cable. I use Reddit. I can watch everything for free. That's the world I live in. So when I got to Bleacher Report, I was like, let's fucking go. My first job at Bleacher Report was the Team Stream Now thing that I told you earlier. They didn't believe originally, and there were some people, and they're not there anymore, that podcasts were going to be a thing. Sims, me, and my producer, Josh. Josh is the one that's like, you guys should do a podcast. We said, okay. We weren't allowed to record during company hours because they said it was our own private project. So we did it for three years with no help. Like, I was still uploading and I was running social with Josh. We were doing it. So even though we're at this big company, every day I walked into work, there was a very small part of me that was like, screw everybody here. I'm going to make this happen to one day you're going to be selling it. And they are. Mm. And so even when you're at a big place, sometimes it's harder at a big place because you can get lost. But you have to fight for what you think is right. And try not to get emotional. Try not to yell at your boss and say things. I have done that before. It's not great. But you, um, for me, for this, in, for this NBA on TNT thing to happen, I never thought that would happen. I, I, there are times where you go, I'm a digital guy. And then like the TV God comes down and they're like, we'd like to put you up here with Shaq and Dwayne Wayne and Candace Parker. And you go, I'll do linear. <laughs> what, what was that like when you, when you were told um, you were getting that? I, was taken out to lunch. Uh, the head of talent, her name is Tara. She's a great person. She was sitting down. She's like, how are things? And I complained because I was like, this producer and like, I don't know if this is going to work. She goes, well, listen, I have news for you. And she goes, I don't often get to give really, really good news. And then I was like, what is going on? When she asked, I said, excuse me. And I like walked around the restaurant and then I sat back down because um. Those are the moments where you look back and go, like, you're like, Nebraska, Kentucky, like, being in a room with, like, like holding a microphone, like a lav mic, and using it to do a podcast, and, like, Craig Carton, the former radio guy, making fun of me for 30 minutes for looking like an idiot. Like, all these things flash into your head, and then, because I, I tell everybody, the worst day is the day that you announce something. Because everybody's going to tell you you're the fucking man. And everybody's going to say you're great. And if you don't start working right then, you're behind. Mm. So it was one of those things where I was like, uh, and then I was like, who's my producer? What can we do? What's, what, what's the goal of the show? Like I went into work mode right away. Now I did give myself a few nights to kind of celebrate with my friends and all that. Um, I got to tell my brother on his bachelor party that I got it. And that was like a really, wow. we were, it was like a cool celebration. Um, but I, 
I, I never want to take it for granted. I never want to cherish it too much. Mm. I always want to remember that this is my opportunity to do it right. And there's that's a legacy show where people are emotionally attached to it. Like I have already said, I am going to get a lot of social media that night that says, who the F is this guy? He's not Ernie. But I'm okay with that. Because if you know what's going to happen, who cares? Mm. My goal is longevity. I'm not trying to be famous tomorrow. I'm not trying to be in movies. I'm not trying to be the greatest broadcaster of all time tomorrow. I'm trying for you to look up in 15 years and go, that Lefko guy's been there for a long time. He's pretty good. That's like the crowning achievement. How do you think you get long? Are you just consistent effort and production that you don't have a bad show because a bad show can turn into, turn into two shows. Like the cool thing with working with athletes is their work ethic's the same. Mm. And Sims used to early on in our relationship, pull me aside and go, you're not giving me enough. You didn't prepare. And it was like cool to have that. Mm. And so as long as every day I go there ready to go and I bring it, we'll be fine. It's never, you never get too big for your own head. That's like, I talk about it a lot because right. it's a fear because I can start, oh man. And then all of a sudden they go, hey, we're switching hosts. And like, I, I have seen a lot of people not reach their dreams. Mm. I have seen a lot of people at, in these small towns and I, this is not a bad thing, but they just kind of go, okay, I'm done. Now, if you start a family, I don't have a family yet. That changes all priorities. I have to feed. I need to clothe. It's not about me anymore. Because I don't have that, I can still go a million miles an hour. So I don't want to discredit, but like I've seen people that just gave up. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. All of our lives are different. I'm a maniac. And so for me, it's like, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to do the best of my ability. I am excited to have a family though. That's, I'm going to be the, I'm going to be dad of the year. What do you, what do you think Adam Lefko as a dad's going to, going to look like? It's part of the reason I work so hard now is that mm. I can set myself up to have more structure to spend more time when I am a dad. But when I, I, um, I want to be the best friend. Like I'll let I'll let my fiance be the disciplinarian because I just I want to you know you want to give him everything. That's that's like really the number one thing I'm excited about in life. It really I'm gonna cry. I'm being serious. I don't know why, but like I love kids. I think they're the coolest. Like they're so innocent. They're pure, and I get very annoyed at adults as they get more tarnished, that if you can keep that youthful love, mm. that's why I'm so excited to be a dad. And eventually they're going to grow up and not call me and I'll have to deal with that, but it'll be good. Would you allow them to get into to the sports world, to the sports broadcasting world? If they wanted world? to, yeah. It's, um, they're going to be a lot cooler than me because their mom has all the good genes. She can dance, like I can dance, but she can really dance. And uh, they're going to they're gonna be cooler than me. I'm excited. When you talk about legacy, yeah, where do you hope your legacy is when it's all said and done? What I said earlier about the good guy on set thing, that's what I care about. Like, whether or not people go, he was the best, or I, it's all subjective. Like, you could say Jordan, he could say LeBron, I could say Iverson, like, it doesn't really matter. Mm. But if everyone that's around that person 
speaks glowingly of you, you're doing it right. If you take care of people. Like, one of the cooler things about Barkley is when you're around the set, everyone's like, oh, Charles is great. Charles helped that guy out there. Yeah, Or like, you're the story where he like went to that dude's funeral that he met at a bar. Like, those are the kind of impacts I want to have, like human and also kindness. That's that's a legacy I'd like to leave. Do you set goals for yourself? Yes. Um, but it's interesting because they're not really like, they're not accomplishment goals. It's not like I want to get this many views or I want to get to this. It's more of like refinement goals. Mm. So by by this time next year, I want to be someone that goes to the gym four times a week. It's a lot of that. Like professional goals, I just think patience is everything and you're eventually going to achieve what you achieve. It's more of like the daily changing my habits goals. Right. Like I want to be known for that. I want to be, I don't want to go out as much. It's it's that kind of refinement that I set goals for. And that's, I mean, that's uh, that sounds very Bill Belichick-esque oh. of, you know, process-oriented as opposed to, to results-oriented. Bill is the GOAT. It's just not a question. Yeah. He is 100% the GOAT. How do you feel like you are able to, for someone who who perhaps thinks that they're process-oriented but doesn't know how to detect a problem in their process, mm. how do you, what do you suggest to those people um, when refining your process? Because ultimately your process will get you to your results. I'm pulling this up because I just want to remember if I can get the name. Oh, it's called Atomic Habits. Okay. Uh, this is a book that I listened to as an audio book. And it is by, I don't, I think it's Adam Grant. I'll, I'll look it up when my, of course, it, let me just search it really quick. But anyway, it talked about learning why you do what you do mm. and not just getting upset about it, but understanding the process and how can you change habits within you. Atomic Habits, James Clear, my apologies. Um, and so it would talk about, hey, if you want to read every day, when you make your bed in the morning, first of all, you should make your bed. Make your bed, put a book on your pillow so that when you get into bed at night, it's already there. Mm. So you can do things for future you to change your habits that you don't even realize. Mm. And when it comes to your process, if there's something that's upsetting about you, figure out why it's happening. Man, you know what? I really eat like crap in the morning. Maybe it's because you keep stopping in that bakery. On 20th, maybe you should go to that other train station. Like finding, finding you, we can control everything in our lives. So figure out what you can control and figure out what's outside of your control. And if it's outside of your control, avoid it. It's, it's looking at your life and realizing that you, while you are unique and you are going to be someone that people will remember, we are all routine-based ants. We are two ants currently talking into a box, and that's what we're doing today. But likely, I know you. I can tell. You probably meet your guests at the same port of the, of the driveway every time. Right? You wait until I sit down before you go back there. and you, Like, it is a routine. And so, instead of begrudgingly acknowledging that we always do the same thing every time, that you likely wash this armpit before this armpit every day, Realize that you're doing that. Separate yourself from it and go, how do I how do I refine that? That's acknowledge that you're not special and that you're just you're gonna you're 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 a robot. And so fight that. 
Are you mm-hmm. big into therapy? I feel like you should be my therapist. I feel like you've diagnosed me to a T pretty quickly. Um, I think it's, that's very funny. I, I am someone that, I'll admit this, I want to do therapy so bad, I'm just very afraid of picking the wrong therapist. So I've never gone. Like, I've never said this out loud before, but like, I go on like ZocDoc and I'm looking at these pictures. I'm like, is she the one that I'm going to tell everything to? I don't know. This guy doesn't seem that empathetic. I don't like his mustache. Like, I, I, I dated a girl back in the day that, that said she was an empath. And I think I picked up a little bit of, you know, you're observant and you see what makes people tick. But no, you're, well, you're very clean. Like you're very organized, so you're gonna have you're gonna be more process or like I bet you're very process oriented. Yeah, I try. Yeah, that's a good thing to have. It's for you though. When can you bake in time to allow yourself to not have a process? Right. And how? What do you need to do to allow your brain? Because I bet you're planning out three days in advance, four days yeah. in advance, yeah. like everything. Yeah. You need to set time to shut it off. Right. Like um. Who was the drug dealer in Blue Magic? Frank, I forget his name. But there's a lot of great thinkers that would put themselves in the dark for days at a time mm. and just think. And he would do that, and that's how he came up with how he was going to bring crack cocaine. Like he, whether you criminals are often the best thinkers. Uh, like drug dealing is like the most simple form of economy. But you like almost need to like force yourself to get away. Right. Because you'll just keep refining everything. Like you almost need to like <laughs> purposely separate. Like I can feel it, you know? It's a good thing. Yeah. It's better to be that than the other way. I'm right. a free thinker, bro. But yeah. it's, it, yeah, you're right. It's finding that balance and finding a, a healthy balance, I think. Yeah. Because you want to go. Do you meditate? I think I should. I think um, sometimes I just try to, to shut my phone off and just not think about who I need to talk to, what I need to send off to, what engineer, whatever. Yeah. Just like relax. There's a another book. I think it's like ten percent clear. It's about a news re- a reporter. Uh, I don't even know if that's the title. Ten percent something, but uh, that ha- was like doing coke and was like a new marriage. It was all like the nightly news, and everyone thought it was a success, success except for him. And then he discovered meditation. And the thing about focusing on your breath, mm. and I don't want to get all too Zen Buddhist, but even if it's for ten minutes. And all you're doing is going, and you can close your eyes and you can pretend like you can see it going in and going out. When you get done, you're going to feel refreshed. You meditate? I, I, I would say I, I do it two to three times a week. Everyone, wants, everyone that meditates, they want to do it better. I did a float tank. Oh, I heard that's great. <sighs> really? I need to do it. It's it's intense. It's intimidating. The first one I did was on 23rd Street in a dude's apartment. And I was like, the first 10 minutes was like, he's going to come in and chop my dick off. Like, that's what's going to happen today. But then when I released and I just went into that space, it felt like I took like a three-day nap. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Is there one in the city that you recommend? Um, other than this dude's apartment? I went, to, I went on to like Yelp and I found a few... The one I went to was okay. It almost felt too commercial. Right. So I'm trying, like, the guy's apartment was actually amazing. Like, I got out and there was, like, freshly brewed green tea. Wow. And he sat there with me for five minutes and said, would you like to share your experience? And I actually, like, I love that. Like, that felt like therapy to me. But it's, again, finding time to give yourself time to think. 
in today's day and age where I know like as soon as this is done, you're going to think about post-production. You're going to think about social media plans. You're going to have to think about your next guest. You're going to have to think about working with Andrew, right? Andrew. Thinking, we're like working with Andrew and like, okay, like how is the audio? What can we clip? There's going to be a time where you're going to have to just I have to disconnect. And that's what everyone says, but like you really have to do it. Yeah. Or else you're just, you're not going to have original thought. You're just going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. Incredibly helpful. I hope that helps. I don't know. I'm just incredibly talkative today. You got me in a good mood. I fucking love it. Yeah. You can find Ad, Adam yep. on Instagram and Twitter at Adam Lefko. Subscribe to the Lefko Show on hey. Apple's podcast app. Can they find it anywhere as well? So Bleacher Report just did a deal. So now the exclusive video home of the podcast is on the BR Gridiron page on Facebook. Um, apparently, I'm going to get another employee because of it. It's like really my first one. That's kind of exciting. Um because no. you know, when you're doing this alone, all you want is a team. Yes. And so I had some team members before replenishing the team. So Facebook, thank you for making that happen. You can check it out there. Be our gridiron page. And then the new exciting show, NBA on TNT, is what, end of January starts? January 28th, excuse me, will be the first show. I just found out that it was, it was originally going to be a Sixers game. And I was like, wow, the universe. They got bumped because the Warriors suck. Celtics heat. It is the week of the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. Monday, fly down to Atlanta, NBA on TNT, fly right from there to Miami to do Super Bowl stuff all week. Game, back to Atlanta, second episode, and we're in it. That's super Nine weeks. That's super exciting. NBA on TNT, Adam, hey. Shaq, Candace <sighs> Parker, D-Wade. Wow. Imagine that. Did you ever imagine you'd be sitting on a, in a booth with all them? I went to a dinner... And it was like a bunch of Turner people and Wade, and he was next to me. And we're talking about scotch. And we're talking about wine. And I'm saying jokes, and he's laughing. <laughs> and what's really funny to me is, is like, if who, who, is, who would you say, I get this question all the time and I don't like it, so I apologize, but like, who would you really, like, if, if they walked in to be interviewed by you, who would you be like, holy shit, do Joe, you have one? Joe Rogan. Joe, I get it, totally. I thought that's what you were going to say. So... What's funny, though, is, is if Joe came in here, you would not react like that. You would be prepared, right. and you'd treat him like any other guest. And as soon as he came in, in a weird way, the magic would evaporate, and you'd go, I want him to be comfortable. Right. I want him to have a good time. I want him to see that I care about him, all that. That when you meet people like that, like when I got to work with Samuel L. Jackson, and then he's like, that's a good point, Adam. It was like, <laughs> my head exploded. But, no, I never thought it would happen. I, I, you know, you think you're capable of it. And then when it happens, for me, it's like I said before, I'm not excited. I'm ready to do work because he's my teammate now. And our goal is how do we make a, a weekly NBA show that covers the sport but also lets these personalities showcase why they're there and why people love them so much. And also maybe talk about things in the NBA that like fashion, sneakers, personality, individuality, there's a, there's a, a part of the NBA right now that inside captures so well. And they're, they're, you know, they're like Shaq and Charles, like giving advice. I'm the same age as a lot of these guys. So for me, it's like, 
How do I capture from, from the perspective mm. of somebody that's in it? I love that equation, making good TV, making good content. We got eight-minute blocks. What do we do? Mm. Well, we normally do... What do we want to do? And the hardest thing is sitting down with that pen and paper and coming up with 40 ideas and 39 of them suck. Mm. But that one idea, though, could be the one. You know what I mean? Do you feel like you're living your dream? I'm living a... Uh, I don't know. I'm living. You know what I mean? Like, this is just what I've, I've always wanted to do. Um, I realize that when people tell me that, you know, my friends are like, you've always known what you wanted to do and you're living your dream. Or like, I had a few friends come up. My co-host right now on the Left Coast show is Brian Westbrook. What? I know. I grew up an Eagles fan. Like, this is a guy that I cheered for. My dad had his jersey. And we watched games together on a Sunday a few weeks ago. And two of my friends came up. And the walk over, they're losing their shit. Oh, my God, what's he going to be like, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, he likes this. He likes that. And then afterwards, they sent me a text. and like, dude, that was like a dream day, blah, blah, blah. And for me, it's like, I want to turn, I want to make dreams seem less dreamy. Mm. Like, I want to reach a point where I'm like, I don't even know what to do. Like, that sounds exciting. Because right now, it's like, I'm just going to this thing a thousand miles an hour. And um, you're like, I, it's funny, you said Joe Rogan. He's up there in terms of me too. He's... Because he's like what I'm saying. Go yeah. a million miles an hour about the shit that you care about and, and really just keep refining. But it has, in my opinion, some of the greatest balance between, yes. you know, working hard, family. He does, he works three massive jobs. Yeah. And just, you know, he seems like someone who, who he does all those float tanks, the meditations, the right amount of working out. He's someone who seems so good in Balanced. his mind. Yes. Balance. Balance really is the key. That's what I think. Because I've met some people that are only work. Right. I used to be like that. It's insufferable. Yeah. I would be out to dinner with people and I would be like, I am the worst conversation ever. Nobody wants to hear about right. this. And then if you're too much of the gym guy, we know those people. Yeah. If you're too much of the family guy, we don't need to see all the photos if you're two-year-old. Right. And so it's finding that mix and having that balance. And a lot of that is reading and and taking in things that are not just your typical thoughts, you know? Before we end this, I have a quick bone to pick with you. And I haven't, I haven't revealed it. I wish you did in the beginning. Isn't that what you kind of look alike? Oh, I was, well, that's not a bone to pick. Yeah, but I don't like people that kind of look like me. <laughs> because what happens is people come up to me and they're like, you look like my friend Felix. <laughs> and I, if I've never, like I never knew, I'd be like, I don't know who he is, but fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah. A different bone to pick. Okay. I'm a huge Cowboys fan. Wow, what a week to have me here. And, well, the thing is, this will probably come out a little bit after. Okay, okay, okay. But we've got a big, we've got the divisional game yeah. coming up. So Why are you a Cowboys fan here in New York? My dad, uh, he, his dad brought him to the, he grew up in California, and they had training camp. Yes, down they do. in, in Irvine. Exactly, down in Irvine. And he got uh, a shirt back in the 70s with all the legend signatures, Staubach, totally you name it. it. And so he gave it to me when I was like six or seven. And my first memory was uh, Tony Romo's beautiful fumble in Seattle. Wow. Um, and since then, uh, I've just been diehard Cowboys fan. So uh, I get it. It is funny how like a shirt exactly. can determine generational oh, yeah. fandom. Absolutely. Anyways, Adam, it's been uh, an absolute... Wait, hold on. What, we have to pick this bone. Oh, yeah. So uh, do we're we... We're recording this before the we're game. Rec- okay, so you guys are going to hear it when... 
the Cowboys. Are you confident? I don't think any of you and I can really sit I here confidently. I feel like Cowboys say, fans are more confident than Eagles fans. To be honest, well, because you have a better team. We do, but they find way to implode in ways that uh, is is breathtaking. To be honest, as an Eagles fan, this is how we work. I am already thinking that we're going to lose to brace for the loss, so it doesn't hurt my heart. Oh, but I remembered that I have money on the Eagles to win the division before the year, like a few hundred dollars. So now I'm like, well, now it's money reason, so I'm in. I have lessened my fandom, but I will shake your hand. As a Cowboys fan, I will wish you good luck. But if you lose... <sighs> Cowboys win, dinner on me next time. Ooh. Eagles win, dinner on you. No, other way around. That's what I meant. Yeah. Deal? I'm not winning that by dinner. <laughs> yeah. Deal? Deal. Deal. Beautiful. Anyways, Adam, thank you so much for uh, my pleasure, man. Thanks for, for coming having on me. the show. You're, yeah. uh, you know, listening to to the way you think um, is really inspiring. Some of the stories was were uh, I didn't expect it to be honest. No, not, not that I didn't expect you to be Ooh, inspiring. Tell me, tell me what you expected for I, real. I, I honestly, interviewing you know, is funny. It's a it's it's a it's a weird thing, you know, because I expected um, I expected to talk about sports even more. Yeah, but I really like hearing. I, what I really like are all the stories when my guests come in here and they could be, I don't care, champion of the world in something, but they all have that relatable story of a moment when they were 20 or 21, when they had doubts, when they were in the middle of nowhere doing yes. the middle of nothing. Yes. And they find, they found a way because, and you see all these like common traits between successful people of sure. hard work, calculation, preparation, professionalism. And I don't care if it's boxing champion of the world or you host a podcast, or you're, you know, NBA on TNT. Yeah. You see all these things come together. So it it went my the way I expected it to go didn't go that way. But I absolutely I absolutely love it. Dope. Loved it. Cool. And uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see you on on TNT. And I uh, I'm excited to see you continue to pursue your path. You're you're doing something that's gaining you a lot of perspective. Right. And so now the key is. How do you utilize that for yourself? Right. And how do you make them happy? Because they, they, they matter more than anything. I think in, in our world right now, as we make things, caring for other people that are watching our shit, mm. it's incredible to me that you have people out there that will watch everything you do. I have that. It doesn't make sense to me. With how busy yeah. you are in your life, like to spend time. So to me, they're everything. And as long as you remember that and you realize that you're just a conduit to them having a good day, you're going to be good. Boom. Yeah. Well, that was, a, that was a good way to end it. You're, you're always welcome back on. Thanks, and, bro. Uh, wish nothing but the best, man. Suja. Suja. Way to go, guys. <laughs> you make great product. Beautiful. Beautiful.